Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. I took this thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. Look, it was given. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome, 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 welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, it's Sunday. It's Easter. If you're out there, you're having a tough time. You know, you're going through a divorce or uh, having a family breakup or, you know, whatever tough time you guys are going through. Money troubles. Uh, we all got troubles in our life, don't we? I mean, I can't think of anyone out there that doesn't have something going on in their life. Uh, but stick with me for the next hour and a half. I got you guys. Great encounters coming up. I'll be inviting uh, Susan and her son on, uh, Joe, who's a huge listener of the show. And I want to thank Joe for sending Susan my way. Had a great encounter. Uh, she had one come up to the back door. I got Devin coming up here shortly. And also a return of the Big Thicket. The Big Thicket Watch with Bob Garrett and uh, all the boys down there in Texas. So look for that coming up. Uh, if you guys have had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter under SasquatchCron. I try to respond back to uh, everyone. Uh, but again, if you've had an encounter, I'm very, very interested in the encounters. I'd love to hear your story. I think, as everyone knows at this point, I don't beat people up over their encounters. Uh, so shoot me an email. Get it off your chest. If you decide to come on the show, great. If not, that's fine, too. I'd still love to talk with you. Email me. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. And if you get a chance, please check out the website, SasquatchChronicles.com. Let's jump right into it. I mean, I could sit and talk about the weather for the next 20 minutes, but no one cares. I could sit and talk about my problems for the next 10 minutes, but no one cares. <laughs> Let's jump into it tonight, everyone. I want to welcome uh, Devin to the show. Hey, Devin, thanks for coming on tonight, man. I, I really do appreciate you being here tonight and sharing your encounter. Yeah, not a problem, Wes. My pleasure. 
And if you would, you had a very interesting encounter. Uh, one of the ones, I know as you're going through your description, I don't want to ruin the story, I'll have you tell it, but there was a lot of things in your description about the way it moved and kind of how it was standing on all fours that really reminded me of past guests that I've had on the show. Where did this encounter take place? It took place in uh, the high desert, northern Arizona. It's called a place called uh, Tippet Rock Springs. Um, it's not really well known. A lot of local people know it up on there. It's up on top of the rim, the muggy on rim. I got you. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of uh, activity up there over the years. Well, if you would, kind of start from the beginning. Tell us what you were doing and just walk the audience right into the encounter. Sure. Well, my dad, my, my real father, used to pick up my brother and me and my stepbrother, and we used to go camping quite a bit during... Uh, during the summers and stuff. So we picked us up and we were heading up to Pivot Rock, which we've camped there many times before. And Pivot Rock, the terrain is kind of up and down as the people in the, in the south call hollers. I don't know, we don't call them that out there, but we were going up and down these hollers in, in his old truck and come down to the bottom of one of them and we come around a corner and we see... What what we thought, my brother actually shouted out, look, it's a bear. And on the bottom of this holler, there was a little uh, pool of water. We weren't quite at the springs yet. We started, and then my dad stopped, and we're looking at it. But it's, like, bent over, like, taking a drink or something. But it looks funny, because all I saw was butt. You know, and all of a sudden, it, like, turned and looked at us, and it started to... I guess you would call it just walking on all fours away from us, but it was walking very weird. In a, you know, I'm 10 years old. Okay, this is like 40 years ago. So I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, what the heck is that thing? And it starts walking, like, sideways away from us, but it's walking, and it's looking back at us, and then it starts to, like, my dad keeps going forward in the truck, and then it starts to, like, get into this, like, little gallop, a little faster walk, but it's going crooked down to down to the bottom of this because um, it wasn't quite at the bottom. It was probably another 30, 40 yards to the bottom of the bottom of the canyon there. And it kept uh, looking at us, and, and anyone's walking sideways and looking back at us and looking back. And my dad kept going forward, and when my dad, I guess, got about 30, 40 yards from it, it stood up, and it started to run. And I, I was I was in shock. I had no idea what I was looking at. My dad, my dad is a big man, and he's from Indiana, and he's uh, he's not afraid of too much. He stops the the truck, gets out, you know, and of course my my stepbrother, and my brother, I'm squished in the middle because I'm the littlest. They get out, I get out. He pulls his 357 and takes three shots at this thing, three or four shots. I'm not quite sure what. what. But anyway. By this time, it's probably 50 yards. It's still, it's still, and it's moving. It's, it's not, uh, it's not walking anymore. This thing is like, like hunched forward in its hand. I don't know. I've never seen anything move like it before. It was like gliding, I guess you could say. That some people say, but that's what it really was doing. It was like just looked like it was floating, but it was his feet were moving, and it just looked like the weirdest thing. But anyway, I kept, as my dad took the shots at it, it kept, it looked back at us a couple of times. And right after my dad shot, my other brother, uh, my, my real brother, not my stepbrother, goes, look, there's another one. 
and I looked in the way he was looking, and my dad looked the way, he, and we didn't. I didn't see anything. I don't know if my dad didn't. I think if my dad would have saw, he would probably would have taken shots at it too. But uh, uh, yeah, again, I didn't see anything. My brother's passed now, but I've talked to him before in the past, and he said that there was another one behind a tree over, over there that he thought he saw. And that's it. You know, it just it just uh, it ran up and went around the. When you got down out of sight and went around the bend, and then it let out this god awful roar, scream. Um, I don't know. I don't. I can't. I've heard something kind of like it, like on sites before, but it, it to me it was much louder. Obviously, because you know I'm there, and plus I'm in a, a canyon, and this thing just it sounded like a freaking freight train. That that loud. It was just so loud, and it was probably a hundred yards away. When it was on all fours, what was weird about it? What was odd about the way it walked on all fours that kind of threw you off? Just, it was walking sideways. But it wasn't like walking sideways, like, its butt was up in the air, first off. That's what, it, that's what looked funny. Its butt was, like, up in the air, and its butt was huge. And that's interesting that you say that, because I've had other witnesses on where they're going across the road. I had a lady on one time, and they were driving, and this, she thought it was a bear. Which, as she got closer, she realized it wasn't a bear. But one of the things she had mentioned was it had its butt in the air. She said it was really odd the way it walked. It had its whole, it's like it stuck its butt in the air as it walked. And I kind of think it's the way their, you know, their structure is, their physical structure. And it walking sideways. I mean, you would have known at 10 years old if this was a bear or not. Absolutely. When it got up on two legs, what was strange about the way it ran? You said it was leaned forward. Was it doing long arm strides or... How was it running? No, it wasn't doing long arm strides. That's what that's what looked funny too. It's like it's it's like its upper body was like totally still, no arm swing, leaning forward a little bit, and its legs were just moving. But it was it was like it was like it would. God, it's so, if you haven't seen one, it's really hard to explain. But it just it looked like its legs would would take a step, but they'd be like float. I don't know. It's it you could I could see its feet hitting the ground. But the whole top portion of its body, you know what? You know what? Here's a good way to describe it. You ever seen the Sherman tank, like the new ones when they when they're cruising around on the bumps? Yeah, sure. And uh, and and then the nozzle stays perfectly still, even though the bottom's moving. That's exactly what it, that's exactly what it reminds me of. Now that I think about it, and yeah, and it was just and no arm swings, no arm swings at all. Yeah, and I've had several witnesses on that say that they say this thing was running through the woods and. It's almost like its arms were down by its side, but the legs were just... Uh, and it's strange to watch them run, too. I, I know what you mean. I, I guess for the audience uh, that hasn't seen them, it, it's kind of hard to describe. They don't... You know, when we run, it's impact. We impact on one foot. We bounce on the next foot. And these things kind of pull. It's almost like a um, crust-crunchy skier or something like that. It's very smooth the way they go. Yes. What did your dad say? I mean, what happened next? Well... You know, of course, then, you know, I asked, what was that? And he said, oh, it's a crippled bear. You know, of course, I'm 10 years old. My brother's well, three years older than me. And I know he didn't buy that, and I didn't buy it. I'm not an idiot at 10 years old. But I knew it wasn't a bear. I know bears don't run on uh, two feet. <laughs> or shout, like, and scream like that. I could still feel that, I mean, it just vibrated through everybody. After we saw it, then we continued on. We probably had another mile or so to go until we went camp, you know, until we actually hit Pivot Rock. 
And when we got there, you know, my dad was just, I've never seen my dad nervous ever. And he was very skittish. He was looking over his shoulder, wouldn't let us go to the bathroom um, all weekend long by ourselves. And then uh, the first night we were there, we had one of those um, those little Coleman pop-up trailers. You know, you crank the side and then the top goes up and you slide the beds out, you know. And then, like, the, the bed is actually, like, hovered above the ground with, like, a couple of poles holding it up on each end. We were in the, it was the middle of the night. I don't even have any idea what time it was, but my dad all of a sudden, he just like, just jumped up and like was standing in the middle of the, um, of the trailer. And my brother was like, what was that? You know? And my dad, of course, he's got a gun in his hand, said, nothing, boy, go back to sleep, you know? And, uh, started looking, he started looking out the windows and stuff. And of course I kept asking, what's that? What's that? You know, what, what's going on? You know, I didn't hear anything, but they obviously did. Um, next morning, get out. I see my dad looking around. He was up before us, so I don't know um, what he did, but I could see him looking around for tracks or whatever. I did see deer tracks um, around the, the camper from the night before. I knew they weren't there because I'm a kind of an outdoors nutty kid. I always loved being outdoors and hunting and stuff like that. Did he find any tracks? Do you know of? Or I don't know. You know, I really don't know. And I've tried talking to him before about it, but he's just one of those hard ass, you know, just does one didn't didn't want to talk about it, doesn't you know, act like it didn't exist. Uh even when I was an adult, you know, he still still wouldn't uh still wouldn't talk about it. And that part's interesting to me. You know, it sounds like your dad was an outdoors man. I mean, it sounds like that wasn't his first camping trip out, you know, he'd been out. You know, your normal reaction when you see a bear isn't to pop out and start popping shots off. Uh, it must have it must have really shook your dad up, I mean, to yank that gun out and start shooting at this thing. You know what I mean? Because that's not really your, a normal reaction of a person when they see a bear is to stop the car, get out, and start sh- taking shots. It must have really shook him up. It it did. And I tell you what, we've seen bears before up there, you know, and he, he acted nothing like that, you know. And bears, especially black bears, like you know, and a lot of people, they'll run. You know, they see the first sign of a car and they're out of there. This thing didn't didn't act like it was uh, afraid at all. You know, it was, it was trying to, get, to walk away from us and then it busted out into the run, but it didn't act like it, it, it really cared. You know, in, 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 in the woods up there, too, it's not like out in the Pacific Northwest or other places. You know, the trees are, are, are thin. You can see quite a long way through the forest because, you know, there's just pine trees. There's really is no uh, greenery on the ground. So, you know, I, I, we watched this thing run for 100 yards until it went up around the bend. Yeah, and that's a long look at these things, especially, and it was running on two legs the whole time, huh? Yeah, yeah, about the first 30 or 40 yards is when it was uh, on all fours, and then it uh, realized we were catching up to it, and it, then it stood up. How long did you guys stay there camping? Three days. And was there anything else that happened in those three days? No, not that I can remember. No, just that, just that one where my dad jumped up in the in the in the, uh, in the camper because I'm pretty sure something hit the camper. That's the only thing I could figure that make him jump up. Yeah, and it sounds like your brother was uh, a little skittish too. Did you ever get a chance to sit your brother down as you guys got older and talk about this incident? Oh yeah, yeah, we have many times, and that's why he says he saw another one behind a tree. And I asked him how far it was, and he said it was probably 
it was just up. It was up the hill because we were going down into the holler, and it was up up the hill behind it behind a tree. So it just kind of makes me wonder if he was if it ran off to distract us, to, so the other one could get away. You know, now that I'm older and you know thinking about this stuff, and you know, in ten years old, I had no idea how big this thing was. You know, as far as height when it stood up. But now that I'm older, you know, my dad is a not a small man. And it probably stood a good seven feet. It wasn't as, as large as some of these that I that I hear. It wasn't that tall, but it was pretty round. Pretty pretty buff. Yeah. Was it barrel chested at all? I mean, was it like a barrel? Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting. A lot of the reports I get from that area, they're more of the, the like a they're shaped like a barrel when they get up and run and kind of have a smaller head and you know like you and i both know yep. i mean you know this now that you're older you knew this when you were 10 years old bears generally don't get up on two legs and run i mean they can get up and yeah. kind of stumble a couple steps but they're usually back down on all fours and you're right black bears man I, i've seen i've been in so many situations where i've stumbled into black bears and it's a flash and they're gone i mean all you see is a black flash and they're gone i mean they want nothing to do with you uh, that's fascinating. I mean, very, very fascinating. So this happened probably in the, what, mid-70s? Yeah, like 76. So there really wasn't a whole lot about Bigfoot at the time. Um, at what point in your life did you kind of look back at that and go, you know what, I, that was probably a Sasquatch you ran into. That wasn't a bear. Leonard Nimoy in search of. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's the first time I realized, oh, my God, that's what that was. And that was right about the time, I, I believe, when uh, In Search Of came out. was right around that time. That's amazing. It's too bad. You know, your dad sounds like how my dad was, uh, you know, kind of a hard ass. He could have probably shot that thing, and it would have dropped. Well, I don't know if it would have dropped with the three fifty seven, but, you know, he could probably have killed one and walked up on it and had you boys step aside and told you it was a bear, even though deep down he knew it wasn't, you know, and it's... My dad was the same way, man. I mean, it's it's hard to some of those old timers. I think that's how they deal with stuff like that. You know, it's it's easier just to pass it off as something. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how he was. Now, a couple of years later, you actually had another encounter. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, it was actually forty years later. <laughs> this was actually last uh, last fall. Um, I live in Wisconsin now. Don't ask me why. I'm up here. Um, but uh, I went out turkey scouting for turkey in the, for fall. And I was up at this town. It's called Cedarburg. And there's some public DNR land up in there around that area. I just uh, had the day off. Wife wife was at work, kids at school. So I just went out scouting, figured what the heck. It was kind of a nice day. It wasn't quite cold yet. So I went out. Went down, started walking down. It's called the Ice Age Trail, and uh, it's, a, it's a, actually it's a branch from that. But anyway, it's it's a, from the main trail. It's a, the main trail. The Ice Age Trail is actually pretty busy with dog walkers and such. But this was like a little branch or vein that popped off of that, and you could tell there wasn't a lot of people that had gone down there because I was looking for any signs. Of, I mean, obviously, I was staring at the ground looking for for scratching and and. Uh, signs of turkey anywhere and i'm walking along and and i see this uh this tree structure or this big huge giant you know it's it's 10 inches round about 40 50 feet 
high log um, just pretty much in the V of this tree. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And it, and it was off the uh, it was off the trail I was on, probably about thirty and twenty yards or so. It's leaning up against this tree, and I started. And I'm like, that's that's weird, you know. Now that I'm familiar with Bigfoot signs, because I've been kind of that kind of changed my life a, a lot. I walked over to it, and I'm looking around, and I'm looking at it, and I noticed there's other little little tree structures by it too, like uh, somebody was learning or something. But this this one also had a couple of other. Um, you know, six, eight-inch trees about 20 feet long that, that were also leaned up against the backside that I didn't see from the other side because it was fall and the leaves were still on the trees. I started looking at it, and it's kind of, I was a little fascinated looking on the tr- on the ground for any signs. Now I'm looking for Bigfoot, you know, and uh, didn't see any. So I, I turn around and I start walking back, and all of a sudden I get this god-awful sickness feeling, and it just came out of nowhere. And I felt dizzy. I felt like I was going to get sick. Um, I'm just standing there, and I, I grabbed myself a walking stick, and I'm holding on to this thing, you know, trying not to fall over. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell's going on? So then I just sat down. You know, here I am, grown man, sitting in the middle of the woods. I, I look like a hermit probably sitting out there. I'm, I'm really I'm just about ready to puke. And it's like the light, the, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain, too, but, like, the sun was coming through, and it looked like a haze. It was kind of, I was like, dazed. So I sat there for probably a good two or three minutes. And then I, and I find this is ridiculous, you know. Of course, me, like my dad, it's ridiculous. It's nothing. Maybe I just need some air or something, whatever. So I stood up, started walking. This time I was I was walking out because I, I was kind of a little disturbed by the feeling I was getting. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, what the hell? You know, something's staring at me. Just kind of get that like something staring at you feeling. I didn't really get that feeling until I started walking out. And then I'm, I swear, man, it's just, I've never had that feeling before. And I hear people explain it and go through it, but I've never had it before. And, and it's just, again, it's, it's one of those things you have to experience to know what it feels like, but it felt like someone was watching me. So I started walking back out and off to my left comes this buck. And he was, he must have been bedded down in the, behind bushes and leaves or something because he comes tearing out of this, this patch of brush and, and he's heading right towards me. And then he, he finally, you know, he's running and he's running. And then this was probably 30 yards off to my left, 30, maybe 40. And all of a sudden he sees me and then he bolts off, you know, he takes off to his, to his right to avoid me. But he wasn't running from me because I, I had already I had already passed him on the trail. I was already he was he was behind me, probably not very far behind me, but I had already passed him. If I was going to spook him, he would have spooked before I even got there. This buck just it just it just took off and it just ran like the dickens, and I still had that feeling like I was being watched, and I still felt queasy. So then I get down to the the end of the trail, you know where it cooks onto the main trail. They have actually had an outhouse out there and then like a little bench and I sat down and I just sat there for a good 20 minutes trying to gain my composure. And what did you do next? Did you just go home? No, yeah, I just went to my car, kind of sat there and still again kind of dazed and, and uh, just took off and went home. And I'll tell you what, man, I got home, I still felt just really beat, wiped out, tired. You know, and I didn't really realize that it lasted for three days until we talked the first time. But yeah, it was about three days that it took for me to, to, to shake that feeling. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'm starting to look more and more into that, and probably in upcoming shows, I'll be talking about that, the the infrasound. And I've always kind of been on the fence with the infrasound. Uh, but, you know, I think that, and it's not some magical thing, you know, the infrasound's a real, as you and I talked the other day, I mean, tigers do it to stun their prey so they don't have to run their prey down. Uh, elephants do it to, to talk back and forth or communicate back and forth. It's not too far off to think that these things could do it with their lung capacity. But the effects that you're talking about is the effects of infrasound, where you feel kind of dazed, you feel disoriented, you feel sick. And when it's all over with, one of the most common things, people feel exhausted, just completely wiped out. And they're usually wiped out for a couple of days uh, because it does shake you. It does. It, there is a real effect that it has on the human body. It's interesting. I just talked to a kid. Well, I say kid. He's he's. I always say kid. He's probably in his 20s. Uh, but he experienced something similar to what you're talking about. They have these Sasquatches out in this property in Washington State, and it'll be a future show. Uh, but he went out past an area where they never go. And he said all of a sudden he started feeling sick. He started feeling disoriented. He started, he thought he was going to throw up. He had to sit down. And then these things circled around him. They were in the tree line. There were three of them that encircled him. And it made me think, you know, are they using infrasound as kind of a, a way to stun their prey, you being the prey, uh, to take you. And in that area, and it's interesting in that area too, uh, the homeowner was telling me the deer will run to you or they'll almost like you're the lesser of two evils. Uh, they'll kind of run in your direction when you're out there. And so it's very fascinating. I mean, it's almost word for word what I just heard the other day when I was talking to uh, this witness. The the tree structures, was it like a teepee structure? Is that kind of what you saw? Well, it was like a half a teepee structure. It wasn't all the way around. So And it had the big log out facing towards the the trail I was on, but on the back side of it, it was the little one, the little ones. So it was, it was definitely not natural. I mean, the, the, the 10 inch tree, the big one that was leaning up against there was broke off at the, at the bottom, but I could find no, I couldn't find where it came from. I couldn't see, you know, stump per se on the ground of where it came from, you know, and, and on the, on the way in, what kind of caught my eye too is, is, I saw two, uh, probably six, six, four to four inch round, uh, trees snapped off, you know, tree breaks facing the opposite side of the trail, the part where I went into, of course. <laughs> but, That's interesting. uh, yeah. So, you know, and I've, like I said, you know, I, ever since that encounter when I was a kid, you know, I've been in watching, uh, you know, of course, Nimoy and, and all the Bigfoot shows, which, or joke to me, half of them. But uh, uh, I, I just, I just know the signs, you know. And seeing one, and it was definitely a tree break because it was about six and a half foot off off the ground. It was, it was pretty high up there. And did you notice any smell when you were there? Just out of curiosity. You know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't smell anything. And I was, I was searching. I was, I was keeping my senses open for that too. I did not smell anything. Yeah, and that's pretty rare. I mean, some witnesses talk about it, and they do have that that smell. I think it comes more from the crotch area than it does really from the armpits. But it comes from the armpits too. But I, I'm well. That's neither here nor there. But that's that's very interesting. When you're out there and you know when a buck breaks from the tree line, when you spook a buck, they'll go the opposite of where you're at. So you know when they're coming your way, 
there's something else that spooked it. I mean, that right off the bat, that would, you being a hunter, you know, there's something probably bigger and better than you are chasing that thing down. Absolutely. And that's, that's what, yeah, I'm talking, that thing scared the hell out of me because I was already in a, in a daze, you know, and this thing comes bursting out of the bushes and about crap my pants right there thinking that it was a Sasquatch coming towards me. You know, I was, I had my 45, but that ain't, that's just a pea shooter, you know? Well, and it's, it's a, the, the, both encounters are very fascinating. I think you guys were lucky in that first encounter. They didn't come back to, uh, make you guys pay for, your dad must've missed it shooting it with a 357. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You know, I'm looking back at, at both of these encounters now. I think I was, I was pretty lucky. And I'm glad that you were lucky, you know, so that you could share them and be on. And I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show and, and sharing the encounters. That first one was just amazing. The second one's terrifying. You know, I, I do hear it from witnesses that do experience that. I mean, I experienced that, too, with my own encounter. But I think it was more or less fear and adrenaline. But I have heard it several times from other witnesses. Very disorienting. Feel like they're going to throw up. And then for three or four days, they're just exhausted. So I think it... and it. And when you look at the symptoms, it really is the symptoms of infrasound. If you ever look up infrasound, that is the main symptoms that people get. And infrasound can actually kill a person. It can actually kill you. Uh, it can cause or- organ failure. It cause a lot of different problems. So, wow. Uh, I'm glad that you made it out, man. And thank you so much for sharing. Not a problem. It's my pleasure. You know, saying off, I can uh, help other people be aware because these things are are not a joke, man. Um, you know, if I had a choice of not being able to see it and see it, the first one I would take. I thought that was that was a life that was a life changing thing. And of course, me being a kid, I wasn't scared to death. But the second one, I could definitely pass on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Well, Devin, thank you for being on the show. Remember, if you're out there and you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Let's jump to Susan. Susan and Joe. Joe is Susan's son. Uh, Susan had the encounter. Guys, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, sure. If you would, kind of start from the very beginning. Tell us what you were doing. And then for the audience, just walk them right into what happened. Tell us what you saw. Tell us what you experienced. Well, my dad and my mom and my little sister and I lived down in Missouri, Dexter, Missouri. It's like in the boot hill of Missouri. My dad's a salesman, so it's just us gals, uh, you know, at night and stuff like that. He had to go far away on some of the, his sales trips. We were sitting there watching TV one night, and it's a little bit warm in the house, so decided to go over to the screen doors, which is very big screen doors, and just take the slider, open it on up so we could get a cool breeze from outside. Went over, pulled the shades back, and went to open the door, and there stood a huge... Bigfoot, as everybody calls him, real gray and white looking. His eyes were just as scared as mine were. I know it was the way he was looking at me. I think I scared him and he scared me. And just even talking about it to this day, I, I still get chills. And he made a horrible groan when he seen me. And then he took off because down behind our house, maybe a mile and a half at the most, was like a, a wooded swamp area. So my mom's freaking, my little sister's screaming, of course, and I, I, I can't even move. It's just, it was unbelievable, just unbelievable. Yeah, can you, for the audience, kind of describe 
his face and, you know, the nose and the eyes and the mouth. How would you describe it to, you know, compared to a human? I mean, just kind of describe what you saw as you opened those blinds. Well, he was a grayish white. He looked old. I don't know why that that came to my, you know, I'd like a, he looked like an older Bigfoot. Um, he had a real long, round face, very hairy. I don't really remember the nose, but his eyes were black. And then, of course, the whites of the eyes. But he kind of looked sad in a way. Or, you know, it's just, I don't know, it was weird. He was going towards the, I think, to open the screen door as I was. And as I said, I scared him just as much as he scared me. But he took off running and down down the hill. How tall would you say he was compared to, like, your dad at the time? Oh, gee. The door, the sliding doors itself were six foot. And his back was up over against that because he, he was bending down to slide the door. I think at the same time I went to do it. That was what was so freaky about all of it. I don't know if he was going to try to get in the house or what, or just curious. I think he was curious. You had mentioned uh, his arm length. Uh, was it? How was it, the creature proportioned compared to like a normal human being? Oh, his arms were way past his knee- knees, but he was kind of like hunched over because he had to hunch over to open the sliding doors. And when you saw this thing, were you... Um... Can you describe the look on his face when you flip those? Oh, he was as shocked as I was. He no more expected, I think, someone to be on that other side of the, the doors, you know, because we had the curtains hanging down and pulled the curtain back and I whipped the door, started to whip the door open and there he is. And as I said, I think I startled him as much as he startled me because he made an awful noise and just barreled down the hill. What did you think it was at the time? Oh, I knew it was a Bigfoot. Everybody Down in that area, Bigfoot's real popular. Restaurants are named after Bigfoots and everything else like that. So, you know, down there, they, they believe in it. As to a lot of people, they think, you know, no, you didn't see it. It's a dog. It's a wolf, whatever. No, they, you know, there's plenty of sightings down there. So we had our sightings. There was prints and everything in the backyard, but... My dad said that we were too stressed because we were alone a lot, because he was on the road a lot. So nothing was ever investigated. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you I hear a lot of witnesses who uh, come across these creatures, and one of the most famous things I hear all the time, well, I won't say famous, one of the most uh, consistent things I hear all the time is, I screamed, and then it screamed, and then, you know, each person, they run one way, the creature one runs another way. Yeah, headed towards my mom, let me tell you that. And the sound it made running away from, you know, the, the situation, because you got three women screaming, you know, my little sister, her her pitch was really high. He, and as I said, I think we scared him as much as he scared us. It was just a horrible, wretched noise from him. And he bolted. And it was dark out, of course, so you couldn't actually see, you know, very far away from the house. We didn't have outside lights in the back, only in the front. I wish we would have had outside lights. But I knew it wasn't a dog. Or a wolf, you know, or a coyote or anything like that. I knew it was a Bigfoot. Just to this day, I mean, I talk about it and I still get the chills from it. When you were looking at the face of this creature, would you say it was more humanish? Would you say it was more apish? How would you kind of describe it? Well, I, I'm really both because he did look human, but he just looked like he had a long, like a real long beard on him, a lot of hair, grayish white hair all over his face. His eyes were, you know, big eyes, but he had a long, 
round like oval face. That's it, oval. And I couldn't see ears because of all his hair. And as I said, I don't remember the nose. But I remember his hand reaching for that sliding door just as I was reaching for it. Looked like regular hands except huge, you know, double, triple my size hands. And hairy. He looked like an older Bigfoot because he was so gray and white. You know, it's an experience you'll never forget. Yeah, no, it is. It's something I'm sure you'll never forget till the day you die. Oh, and to have my mom there, you know, to be a witness, she's passed now. And then when I told my son Joseph about it, he was so intrigued with it all. And my little sister Mandy, who's now 40, she remembers it too. So it's memorable. And as I said down there, it's it's not uncommon. You encounter them, not on a daily basis or anything like that, but people don't laugh at you so much down there because sightings have been sighted. And what part of the country did this happen in? Dexter, Missouri. Right in the boot hill. Yeah, it's interesting. People down there, they call them boogers. Yeah, they do. But I've always known them as a Bigfoot. Because we originally was from Michigan, but my dad found a better job down south, so my brother lived down there. We moved on down there, and we had a house down in Dexter. And the wooded area behind it, and then they're right behind the woods, as I said, is a little swamp area. Then come to find out later on in years, that's where they like to be, which I didn't know that at the time. Had you experienced anything before or after this? Nope, never have again. Wanted to because, you know, getting older and stuff like that, you, you, you'd be more aware of certain things to look for and stuff like that. But being younger back then, you know, the experience was just so amazing. Scary amazing, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I know Joe had talked about some of the neighbors and there was a doctor down the road. Had any of your neighbors seen the same thing, or can you kind of describe to me? Well, they were quite a ways down the road. We were more back, like, down in a grove area, and the doctors were up further, and his area was more hilly. We were down in the grove near the woods and the swamp. He'd never, ever seen anything, you know, before. Did any of your neighbors talk about seeing the creature? No, because, as I said, we were down in a path by ourselves, so the houses that were in that area were probably mile, two miles away from us, up in a higher area. Because down there, the land goes up and down, up and down, and we were in the low part of the land. Yeah, it's fascinating. How did that change your outlook on going out in the woods or... Oh, no way, no, <laughs> forget that. Unless, you know, I had somebody with me. I wanted to go investigate, but, you know, it was just my mom and my little sister. No way was she going to go. She was only two. She was scared to death. But I thought it would have been cool to go and, you know, find more evidence. As I said, we did see footprints, but nobody would come out and check it out or anything like that because, as they said, oh, we're just, you know, a bunch of females. Well, now there would be there would be no way to go look where it was now because when we went back there where the house is, the going down into the swamp in the woods, it's it would be borderline impassable for any person. It would take a very decent amount of time just to get down there. Has grew up so much now back down in there. So I don't know if they've moved, if it was part of a family or what, the Bigfoots. I think it's interesting, too, you, as you talked, I just had a guy on the show, and he was talking about how they were trying to get into the neighbor's home. And what they would do is they'd come up and, like, open the screen door, trying to find a way to get in. And it's fascinating that as you open those curtains, that was your impression, like it was trying to find its way into the home. I think it was. I think it was curious, too. 
you know, I'm just curious because we have, of course, lights on in the house. I think they're cu- a curious creature. And people, I think, should investigate them more human than animal and not try to destroy them. I don't. I think, you know, it'd be really cool. Nobody can get one, you know? It's just, I don't understand that part. Honestly, Susan, some of the best evidence you get, some of the best information you get is from eyewitnesses. I don't really care what anyone says. These researchers, experts, you know, everyone has the answer. But I honestly think some of the best information you get is from the eyewitness testimony. And what may... When you say they're more human than animal, what makes you think that? What what kind of makes the, you lean that way? The way he moved, the way he like he acted and arrested when I opened the curtain. But then when he seen there was a person, meaning me, there, I startled him as much as you know he startled me. So I felt like you know it was a human connection. But yeah, here's a real huge hairy per- creature, you know, outside the door. But he knew how how to lean down to grab that handle. Now, that's something a human knows, not an animal. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if he had seen you do it a couple times. He might have, because we used to have those curtains open quite a bit. It's beautiful down in that area. You know, we'd go run in and out the back. You couldn't go too far without hitting the woods. But, you know, it was real nice back there. And we'd have a screen going on, so my little sister, you know, could run in and out, and I'd chase after her. But I don't know, just the way he was, he acted, you know, like a huge human. Very hairy, huge human. And he looked older, the way his eyes were, because they, like, sagged down. So, I don't know, it was it was amazing to me. It'll be something, as I said, I take to, with me to my grave. Yeah, it is interesting, and, and I can understand that, you know, when you see something like that. You know, you can kind of tell when something's a younger animal, human, whatever you want to call it. Or you can kind of tell when something has some age behind it. Yeah, he only did. Yeah, and that's fascinating that you had, you know, you could tell he had some age behind it. And that's interesting too. No one ever looked for tracks or no, no, no authorities did. My little sister and I did. We went out and we could see him, and they led right back into the woods. In the woods, though, there's so many trees and brush and stuff like that down. They disappeared, but the tracks, you know, by around the the door area, they were very vivid. That's very interesting. Did you ever tell your mom, were you like, hey, check this out, check these tracks out? Yeah, my mama came out, but my mom was in very good health when we lived down south. Um, the humidity got to her asthma really bad, so then we ended up back in Michigan. But it was a real cool experience. I just wish we could have got someone with authority out there, you know, to, to check it out. Nowadays, they'd be thriving to go out after having that kind of experience. Oh, yeah, nowadays you'd have 30 people out there. Oh, you sincerely would, but this was 10 years ago. yeah. What's interesting about these creatures is you never really know what they're going to do. You know, I've talked to people like yourself. Uh, I'll give you a great example. I talked to a hunter one time, and I'm trying to get him to come on the show. Uh, He was walking down a game trail. And just outside of the game trail, he said this huge half-man, half-gorilla stepped out. And it had a look of surprise on its eyes when it looked at him. And they're 20, 30 feet away. And he said what it did was it just slowly backed up back into the forest and just disappeared within the forest. And it's interesting because you never know what these things are going to do. You know, I could tell you horror story after horror story after horror story. But then you get these these off ones where they're really not, you know, I think in, in the case. Of- I didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel threatened at all by him. I felt scared and I scared him. That's what I felt. I did not feel threatened by him like he was going to hurt me. Because he could have very easily, you know, yanked that door right open 
and got me. But I didn't feel that from him. I didn't feel threatened. Just I scared him and he scared me. That's what I felt. What did you think, Joe, when your mom told you the story? I mean, <clears throat> when she she started talking about it and I was somewhat interested and then growing up I was fascinated with the subject and watched all the shows and all that kind of stuff and then my dad was always <clears throat> a hunter and outside and stuff so whenever we were outside just kind of in the back of my mind it was always there and then we started taking vacations down there and the first time we took a vacation down there we went and she showed me the location and stuff and it at the the density of <clears throat> the the location how their their house was the last one and then it was just as as much wilderness as you could see, it just kind of blew my mind at how dense it was. But the thought of, you know, everybody is confused on how you could never catch one or see one. And it, it's the fact of there's spots of wilderness like that where, you know, humans couldn't even get to, to where they could just disappear within 100 yards and you'd never be able to see it. It's a strange topic and, and some of their behavior... You know, like I said, I, I had a guy on, and it amazes me that the night and day behavior that you'll get. Uh, the guy I just had on the show, he talked about them slapping the house, beating on the house, kind of tormenting these people. And it's more than just one. It's several of them that are tormenting this guy. But in your situation, it was just one, you know, one creature, and almost like he was kind of coming in and checking things out. And I, I bet you thought twice before opening those curtains in the future. Oh, you bet, especially at night. Not in the daytime, I wasn't scared, but come nighttime, it's like, Mother, you go do it. I'm not doing it. Forget that one. So, you know, I was a teenager back then. I said, I wish I, you know, had the age on me as I do now, because I would have probably followed it. Because he didn't, I didn't feel threatened. I just was scared to death. I have showed her the, the Pennsylvania White Bigfoot video, and it did say that it, she does, it does look very similar to her. What she thinks it is. Oh, are you talking about the one where the the guys go out with the flashlight and they hit it right in the face and it turns and yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. That one's scary. It's kind of a scary. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> especially the full video where they they kind of they kind of flash it with the the flashlight and then he he turns the corner and it it hits it right in the face and it it like its eyes dilate from the light and it just ducks out of there. Susan, how would how big would you say the eyes were on the creature compared to, let's say, your eyes? Oh, at least tw maybe twice, three times as big. But you could see it, the aging under his eyes. That's what that's what's so ironic about it because he looks so like an older one, you know. They're black, really just big. And and one other question I want to ask you: How big would you say his hands were? Oh, three times the size of a a man's hand. At least a normal man's hand. Plus, you got the hair then too. But you could distinctly see his fingers. You know what I mean? Because he was reaching for that door handle to slide it. So I could definitely see his hand. You know, and it was shaped exactly like a human hand, except very, you know, bigger and hairy. You mentioned a beard. Was there a portion of his face that wasn't hairy? Around his eyes. That's how I could tell the aging. You know, the wrinkles down there and stuff like that. I don't know why that stuck with me, but it really did. Because it was like we were eye to eye at one second in a, in a time. And I could just, like, he was old. Do you remember what color the skin was? Gray. And his hair was white and gray. But his his face, like, around his eyes and stuff like that was gray. 
Yeah, that's an amazing encounter, especially being so close. The reaction. The reaction doesn't shock me too much. Like I said, I've talked to witnesses. There are a lot of horror stories you'll hear on the show of people who've had encounters, but you'll also run into these weird ones where uh, the creature really doesn't seem to be the aggressor, and it's just a surprise when it sees someone as they are when it sees it. Fascinating, fascinating encounter. It was to me anyway. No, it's a very fascinating encounter. Well, listen, Susan and Joe. Uh, Joe, I appreciate you listening to the show all the time. Susan, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the encounter. I mean, it, it's it's a very... I wish I could get inside your head and see what you saw. It's a very fascinating encounter. But thank you both for coming on tonight. Well, thanks for being thank interested you. in it. Appreciate it. And Joe's got me listening to you more. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Well, tonight you're in for a treat. I know Bob Garrett and his whole crew down there, they used to have their own podcast called The Big Thicket Watch. And I talked to the guys and said, hey, you guys are welcome to do it on Sasquatch Chronicles. Uh, They're normally going to be on a different night, uh, but tonight to debut them, uh, I'm going to let these guys take over. And uh, this won't be a normal thing. They will be on a separate night. But uh, these guys are like family to me. Bob, Mo, Tim, all those guys down there are like brothers to me. And uh, I'm going to let them take it over tonight for the Big Thicket Watch Radio. So you guys have a great night. I'll be back midweek uh, with the William Rose story and a lot of other guests. But uh, take it away, fellas. Have a good night, everyone. Hello, all uh, all you Bigfoot uh, nuts. This is Texas Big Thicket Watch Radio coming to you from the beautiful East Texas Piney Woods. I am your host, Bob Garrett, and I have only one thing to say. We are back. Well, okay, I'm, I'm just a little excited. We have a good show lined up with some uh, great guests. All our guests were at the expeditions. They uh, will be coming on tonight to tell about their adventures in the East Texas woods with us. So get a drink, light a candle, and turn off the lights if you dare. I am just going to sit back and uh, listen myself because I haven't actually heard these stories from these people yet. So, Mo, I'm going to turn over the uh, switch to you and... I'm just going to sit back and listen. It's all yours, Mo. Okay. Thank you, Bob. And uh, just want to reiterate what Bob said. We are back. We are very, very happy to be back. I know it's been a while. So many people have asked me about when the show is coming back. Well, we're finally here. And uh, we're going to keep the show going on. And we want to thank the people now who are listening. And we want to thank everybody who is in connection with Sasquatch Chronicles and Wes. Um, this is going to be a very, very good show. We have some guests coming on tonight that were at the expeditions, these past expeditions, and um, what an expedition it was. It was an expedition where we, <laughs> we, we had serious vocals, and we also had some serious visual things, like we found a trackway, and it was a very, very good trackway. So what we want to do is get some guests on to talk about these visuals and trackways 
And uh, we want you guys to sit back, relax, get your popcorn, get your soda, your iced tea, or you know any libation that you want to you know <laughs> you know kick back with, and listen to uh, to the show. It's going to be a good show. Well, everybody, I want to introduce to you a gentleman by the name of Chad Kidder. Uh, Chad called me up um, about one of the expeditions, uh, the March 18th, 19th, and 20th expeditions. Chad was, uh, you know, inquisitive, and he's like, you know, I'm really interested in this, man. I think this would be a good experience for me. I can gain some knowledge out of this and, um, you know, set him up for the 18th, 19th, and 20th. He came on out, and I would like to introduce him to everybody right now. Everybody, Chad Kidder. Say hi, Chad. Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, I, I want to know from you, could you describe for me the feeling that you got um, on the drive in to camp, that long drive in? What was the feeling or, or what was what were you thinking? Uh, you know, uh, can you give us a description of that? Well, yeah, 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 I sure can. And, it, and it's interesting because when I went into this this adventure, I, I kept myself very open minded. And I also I kept my expectations neutral. Um, I don't want to say I had low expectations. I don't want to say I had high expectations. I kept neutral expectations. And so I really felt like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I'll go camping with some cool people and, you know, make some new friends and and whatever. So as we're driving in, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's very thick. It's very wooded. Um, as we, we got closer to camp, I remember, and this is funny because I have, uh, up until this experience, I have not had, I had not had a Sasquatch experience. The first thing I thought, you know, was that this was very squatchy. This was a very squatchy kind of place. Um, the woods are very thick. You know, what's interesting. I know, I know Wes is from the Pacific Northwest or he's lived there and I've been to that area a few times, and it's interesting because as I'm, I'm, I'm driving in, as I'm parking, I'm getting to the campsite, it did remind me a lot of the Pacific Northwest. Um, the vegetation is different, but it's very thick and it's very dense, and, and it looks like the kind of place where, you know, something large, multiple somethings that are large could hide there and just not be seen. When you drove into the camp and you came into the camp and you parked your vehicle what was the feeling that you got as you're in camp at that big area that we're at well you know that's a good question one one and this is important i think for anybody else who might want to go on this excursion it felt very welcoming and this is from the, the people you know because the people there you everybody else whether it was sean or whether it was, you know, Bob or his sons or, um, you know, Waylon or anybody else. I mean, everybody there was very friendly, very open, you know, smiling, shaking hands. That, that's important, too, you know. Um, so yeah, you got that right away. You know, when, you get, when I got out of the – I was in a rental car because I, I live in Colorado. I got out and people are, you know, hey, how are you? And they're saying hi. And it's it's a very opening you know, open feeling, you know, very warm and, and welcoming. We're going to talk about, um, I want to bring up going into the creek area, which we call the uh, wildlife area or birding area. And I want you to walk us through uh, going in there at night. 
So the birding area. Okay, so we went to the birding area, and this is this is an interesting place. It's got a big, you know, pretty big parking lot. It's a it's a sizable hiking area. You know, there's there's the uh, kind of classic trailhead, you know, stand that's got the map and shows you where you're going to go. And we were in there for uh, uh, five minutes, if that. And we had a fairly big group. I think we had about a you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen people with with participants and guides. And almost right away, Mo finds tracks, you know, um, and he's yelling, I've got tracks over here. I've got tracks over here. And we all come up and, and you know, you see them and you're like, these are freaking tracks. I mean, you know, and it's 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 so different from, you know, um, you know, hu- you know, regular human tracks. Right? Like you see a person walking, you know, you go to the beach or, you know, the river and you see tracks in the sand. These are not them. I mean, they're very distinct. They're very different. They're kind of human. They're kind of ape. We did have a funny moment. We actually, we actually thought we found. I said we, but you know, Mo, or the, you know, the guys thought they found some Bigfoot feces, like one had had pooped in an area, and we kind of got excited about that. Like, oh man, one might have actually taken a dump here, and um, but it, it ended up not being that. But it was that was just kind of funny and and made it made it fun. This whole experience was fun, on top of everything else. So I'm going to make that clear to the audience, but. Anyway, so we see some tracks, and um, and that that amped things up for me quite a bit because you know we found some, and then we walked around the stream, and we found some more, and we found these big oddly shaped tracks. You know, for for people that have never seen a, a Sasquatch track, and you know, in person in real life, they're very distinctive. They the, they turn a little bit. You know, kind of kind of mid. Um, um, what you call it, the middle part of the foot kind of turns a little bit, you know, they've got their own kind of shape and they're very, they're very deep, you know, because these things are very heavy and we can get into this later, but that's where I had my, my probable sighting. The heat signature I picked up was in the same area, but it was at night. Um, it was very, it was, a, it was very cool. It was very cool because, you know, when we went on the first hike, Mo, I, you remember you had made an owl call, and it was you and I and one of the co-brothers, I think it was George, were kind of out off by ourselves a little bit. And Mo let out this long owl call, and he does really good calls. And you heard something call back, but it sounded like a person faking an owl call. You know, it sounded like a like a, almost like a question, like somebody was – it had that – that it was, you know, intonated that way. Like it had a question at the end of it, like, who? Kind of like that, like what? What are you? So we heard that, um, and then later, you know, we see the tracks, and so now it's building upon itself. You know, we had a possible slash probable audio, then we see some tracks, and then you know the the night kind of went on from there. Well, there's one thing I do want to clarify with the audience, and that is this: is that we walked into the birding area and we did our little jaunt down the trails and stuff and walked down and we were starting to hear stuff i mean it wasn't you know uh, you know major howls or stuff like that or major wood knocks but i want to clarify to everybody it's when we came back to the actual lot where all the cars were parked is when i decided i said you know what um, and I told people as we're walking in, you'll see, you know, you'll see tracks and stuff here as you cross bridges in this in the little sand areas. It's it's then that when we came back, I said, okay, I'm going to just take a little walk out the way here, and that's when I found him. And and you remember, I I said to everybody, hey guys, you know, you got to come back here and check this out. So we found the tracks at night. 
them twice. We found them once in the day, and then we went back that night and we found even more tracks. Right, right. And now the tr- these tracks are predominant, okay? There's oh, no yeah. gray area in, in, in these tracks. It's not like, you know, um, it's just an impression. There were five, you know, five toes. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, and the funny thing about these tracks is that you'll get the front of the toes will sort of grab the substrate, and you'll see a bump behind the toes, almost like, almost like you had your hand, and your hand was grabbing it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of reminds you of, of like when an ape, the tracks an ape would leave. And yeah, you can see it clearly. In fact, we saw it at Monkey Pond later, too, when we saw a bunch of tracks there. And it looks like they're digging in, kind of gripping with their toes as they walk. Exactly, exactly. And and when Bob first took me out, um, that's the one thing I noticed. And I'm like, Bob, this, this is really weird. These, I I can't make sense of that little area behind the toes that sort of, you know, the substrate curves upward. And he goes, Mo, because we're not talking about a human foot. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, uh, duh, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> Bob's a good teacher, but he will, you know, he will basically, he'll call you out and say, look, this is what it is, you know? So with that, you, you mentioned monkey pond and that's the next thing I wanted to touch on was monkey pond. Okay. What was your feeling as we drove into Monkey Pond as we go through the gate, <laughs> which is always scary closing it, being last person closing it. What was your feeling as we you know, went through the gate, you're in my vehicle, and we're driving down? What was the feeling? We, we went into Monkey Pond twice at night, right? Once on Friday night, once on Saturday. Yes. Um, the first night, uh, it, again, kind of neutral. Now, now, I had felt like things were building a little bit. We got out there, and, you know, one thing about being in a larger group, you know, there's a lot of chit-chat, right? There's a lot of pe- people are talking and smoking yes. and, yes. you know, kind of, kind of you know, making a little bit of noise and, and whatever. So it took a while for that to die down. Um, I, I had a thermal uh, scope that I had with me, and I was using that. You know, we didn't have any sightings. But as things start to settle down, and I thought even more so night two, when we went back the second night, you know, um, the group had settled down a little bit. It was much quieter the second night. And the second night, we started hearing things, strange things in the woods. And, and, and again, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the woods in different parts of the country. Um, and, you know, you know wood sounds. There were some strange noises coming out of there. They were far away, but they were strange. You know, howls, chatter, screams, you know, strange things that you just don't hear, you know, in, in the woods. As we drove in there, um, my feeling was it was definitely, you know, excitement, I- apprehension. Um, you know, like you, you feel like something could go down real quick. Like that's that's the feeling because you know, the woods are closed in. And even in a big group, you kind of feel like something could happen here real quick. Like one could just step out in front of the car, glare at us and walk away or fling a log at a car or nothing could happen. You know, so that that was kind of my feeling. It was it was it was it was good. It was exciting, but it was definitely you know apprehensive and alert. I was I, I definitely felt like I was on high alert. As you're sitting there in your chair and you're hearing that muttering, did any part of you think that okay, there's humans out there somewhere and they're partying, having a keg party or something like that? Did any of that race through your mind? Absolutely did- not. 
No, Absolutely uh, not. And, and I'll tell you this, too. There was one time when um, this was the first night when, when people were kind of chit-chattering a little bit more. You know, uh, I heard some noise and, I, and I, man, it was it was a feeling more than anything. It was coming out of a certain patch of woods. Um, and, 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 you know, at night, my directions were a little bit off, so I'm not sure what directions. But anyway, if we were facing the pond, it would be directly behind us. And I felt like there was something in this patch of woods. And I was looking with my thermal. I couldn't pick anything up. But one of the co-brothers, you know, he's a Vietnam veteran. He's, he's been in combat. He told me the same thing. He goes, man, there's something in, and it's in here. And I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, man, you're right. There's something here. And he stayed there that whole time just watching those woods. You know, he just wouldn't leave. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's coming from here. And I was with him. I felt it. Like, you know, um, and, and you, you had a good point, too, you know, using a thermal, uh, a thermal scope, but they're great. And that's how I did have my, my, my sighting later on. But, you know, your field of vision is very narrow. You know, it's like looking through a rifle scope, right? I mean, you're not getting a wide, a wide field. So if you've got something that's deep in the woods, it's hiding behind a tree or it's on the ground and just kind of peeking out, maybe making some noises, um, you're not going to spot it. You know, uh, but we, we heard things in the distance that they were strange sounds. I mean, it sounded like um, I, I, like monkeys kind of talking, kind of howling, but far away. I mean, we get that all the time. And so and now that night, it wasn't as, as intense as when Wes came out or uh, there have been times that I've gone out and I've actually gone out by myself, which I will never do again. <laughs> um <laughs> But, and yeah. and imagine me being stuck in the mud by myself out there. Do you do you remember that, Chad? Oh yeah, yeah. We got stuck. So you know, Mo walk not- us through that, Chad. Can you walk yeah. us through Mo's big mistake of not? Well, well I tell you what, I, I, didn't, I didn't get nervous because we were one of the lead vehicles. If we had been one of the last vehicles, I mean, I'm, I might have crapped myself. I mean, because we so we're heading out and it's you know it's it's Mo's driving I'm in the passenger seat the co brothers are in the back and he's got his uh, his little trailer um with camping supplies in the back and we hit some ruts and we we get stuck and um and you just I, I remember thinking ah this is the worst place on earth to be stuck like you know this is just not where we want to be <laughs> Um, now you know for the audience too I mean I was armed Mo was armed you know so we're not we're not completely helpless out there but. Um, it, you just you just look around and you're like, oh boy, this is this could this could go bad real quick. But thankfully, the other vehicles were behind us and we were able to get ourselves out. Yes, everybody. And the and the funny thing was, none of us, including myself, of course, I was driving. Chad was sitting in the front seat and the co brothers were in the back. And we had volunteers push us. And I do have to say one thing. Uh, you know, I am so thankful. For those guys that pushed and pushed and got me out of there. Now, Brandon has a really cool cowboy hat. It's a black cowboy hat, (laughs) and it's got these boar teeth on it, and it's awesome, and it's a manly, manly hat. It it got drugged. He he slipped as he's pushing, (laughs) and it got just drugged through the mud, and I felt so bad. And Brandon's like, hey, you know what? Don't feel bad, Mo." This is a battle scar, and do you think I'm going to clean this hat? I ain't cleaning it, <laughs> and he and he he didn't clean it. So, well, you know, look, and, and that's that's one of the great things about going out with these guys, you know, is that it's you feel like you're part of a team. It's a team effort, you know. You know, the the guys with us, they they were older gentlemen. You know, at one point, one of the co brothers, you know, he started he started having a tough time, and I, I carried his pack out, you know, and I didn't mind doing it. You know, we're we're in this together. 
So you're not, you know, for anybody who goes out, you're not going to get left behind. We would do head counts, you know, make sure everybody's taken care of. People are looking out for each other. It's not, um, it's not a no risk situation. I'll, I'll make that very clear. Um, but you know, you're not, you're not going to be out there with a bunch of wing nuts who are going to leave you the first time they hear, a, you know, an owl flap its wings. Exactly. I mean, first and foremost, our job is to have you all experience what we experience, but to keep you safe. I mean, that is number one priority. And Bob stresses that these people have to be safe when we take them out here. You were just, uh, you know, one of one of my favorites. I mean, you know, we're all family now. We all um, enjoy the camaraderie out there. Um, it's not just the fact that we're out there on trails and we're, you know, looking for the signs of Sasquatch. It's when we when we come back to camp, um, we all sit around the fire. Um, we share the experiences of the day. We share the experiences of the night. And it is family. Um, so when you come out, it's not just a matter of, you know, being uh, involved with researchers like Bob Garrett, his sons, me, Tim, Waylon, um, Mark Copeland, um, Javier. Um, you are amongst family. And this is how we feel about this. And um, you were like <laughs> you were like the big brother who was watching out for me with thermal, man. And I do appreciate it. <laughs> Because I, I, I mean, and I will be honest with people, especially when I go down to the birding area and I have to deal with Gray Walker because I got the feeling, and even Tim has said this, that that Gray Walker does not like me whatsoever. But h- here you were shadowing me with the, um, you know, with the thermal, and I do appreciate that. So I just want to stress oh, yeah, that man. to everybody. Hey, hey Mel, if I could, and, and it was my pleasure to do it, and, and I would gladly do it again, too. In fact, I'll, I will definitely be on another trip, uh, probably, probably wait and get through the heat of the summer, and then I'll be back. But, you know, one thing I, I wanted to share with the audience, you know, that I think is very important, is that when you're in camp with everybody, you can, sh- you can just talk about this subject completely openly. And it's such a cool thing, because everyone there is like-minded, most people have had experiences. Some people, up until this, like myself, have not, but, but, but are very interested in the subject. And you can just talk about it. And nobody, nobody's going to rib you. Nobody's going to, you know, and there's plenty of wisecracks, right, because it's a, it's a camp. But it's not, not nobody wisecracks about this subject. Um, you can ask, you know, people are respectful. They'll listen to you. They'll, they'll listen to your, your opinion. Um, everyone is like-minded. You know, and it's it's not like being, let's say, in a hunting camp, right, where you bring up the subject of Bigfoot and you you, you just know the responses, right? Ah, blah, 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 blah. It's right. not that at all. I mean, you can talk to people. You can say, have you had a sighting? Yes, I have. No, I haven't. I've had a feel. People And people listen. They'll listen if you just say, man, I just had a vibe. They'll go, yeah, yeah, you know, I hear that. I mean, you, you can talk to people who've had – very, including Mo, who've had very intense encounters and not all pleasant, you know, um, but some of these are, are, are dangerous. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how far you're going to go into this, but I mean, really for the listeners, you know, one thing you, you go, you experience, but the, the stuff you learn, the things you learn from talking directly to Bob Garrett, from talking to his sons, from talking to Mo, from talking to Sean, from talking to these guys, Waylon, these other guys, um, I mean, you, you gain a tremendous amount of knowledge and a much healthier respect 
for these creatures than you've ever had. I mean, you, you have to understand that if you encounter these things in the wrong situation, it can be your life. I just wanted to, um, in closing, um, if you had any experience or anything further that you'd like to share with the audience, um, I'd like to ask if you could for, for right now. Yeah, yeah, man. So, um, you know, so we, we, we'd had some tracks, we'd, we'd heard some sounds, but there were two very distinctive uh, moments. Um, one, we went into the birthing area. And, uh, and we've been warned, hey, look, this is a hot spot. You know, there's, there's a lot of activity. Pardon me, there's a lot of activity here. We got out of our vehicles, and we stepped foot in the woods, and we heard a long, woo! You know, just like if you go to, uh, to Sasquatch Chronicles' website and you listen to the audio that Wes has entitled Jurassic Park, it sounds like the beginning of that. It was a little bit distant, but not too distant. But it reminded me of a warning sound, like they're here. Like that's what it reminded me of. And then we heard that in in the woods, this chatter. And we didn't hear another sound after that. It was very quiet, but it it was almost like, you know, whichever ones were in the area, they let out the howl. They're here. The humans are here. There was some, you know, chit-chat back and forth. What do we do kind of thing. And then it went quiet. And it was creepy as hell. Don't get me wrong. It was very creepy. We heard a few sounds, but... But really, not not much after that. Um, but everybody was on high alert. Now, I did have kind of an optical illusion there on thermal. In fact, I was kind of in the. I, w- I wasn't right behind you on this one, uh, Mo. I was kind of in the middle of the group. I was scanning to both sides, and I thought I had a heat signature, but it was it wasn't that. It was just some, some trees kind of lumped together or whatever. Um, that was pretty intense though, because we heard the audio right away, and everybody heard it. So then um, we went back to the the birding area, and we kind of were going to wrap it up there. And it, it was pretty quiet. Now, this is the area for the audience where we had seen the tracks, and we thought we saw the poop. Um, but we had, there was a lot of tracks there. We had been there the previous night. We had heard some chatter in the woods. But, little, you know, nothing really, you know, major. This is, though, the area that the gray walker, which is a solitary older male Sasquatch, was spotted on. Um, by drone. And so there's a, a professional drone pilot that goes out with the group. He, he's got footage of it. It's very clear. It's not as lengthy as like the Patterson film, but you can see this creature walking out from under some trees, you know, towards another group of trees, big muscular, and he looks old. He looks like an older, you know, an older male uh, primate. So we were there, and um, and not much was happening. You know, it was it was it was a kind of a chilly night, but everybody's kind of hanging out. And uh, somebody got the idea. They're like, you know, last time we were here, we cranked up the music, and and we heard some howls and stuff. So somebody cranked up like some ACDC, you know, Thunderstruck or whatever. And um, and I was a little bit forward in the woods. So there's the parking area, and inside the woods was you know, myself, Travis, two other participants, both of whom one had thermal, one had night vision, and I had thermal as well. And this is right next to not only where we had seen tracks, but where we saw some little saplings that had been broken at a 45-degree angle. Now, you know, for, for people who are into this subject, this probably means a little bit more than if you're not. But if you think about it, how many times in the woods have you ever been and you just decide to randomly break saplings as big as your thumb down at 45-degree angles? I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's not a natural thing, you know, and I'm not talking about like rotten trees. I'm talking about green 
saplings that you have to take some effort, you have to put some effort into to break. So we'd seen these two, which almost looked like a trail marker of some sort. So anyway, the four of us, the, you know, me, Bob's son, and two other guys, we're kind of forward to the group. We're in the woods a little bit. And I'm looking ahead uh, into the woods, and I see two of the participants, both of their heads whip around at the same time. And they said, it sounds like somebody's walking in the stream. And, um, and again, for everybody, this is right where we had seen the track. So this is probably 30 feet away, 40 feet away. So I'm, I'm sitting in a little camp stool, camp chair, you know, a fold-up chair that I had brought. So I turn around, I'm looking with my thermal, and I get a big heat signature between two branches, like, like, two, like a big, big tree and a small tree made of V. And I've got a big heat signature right in the center of those. And, and you know, it's like even I'm looking at, by the way, I did not see a face. I want to make that very clear. Um, I'm looking at this. But my mind is still kind of rejecting it. It's almost like I'm because I'm staring at it, and I'm like, "What am I looking at?" You know, because I had had kind of a an optical illusion or whatever earlier. But I've got two trees, and I've got a big mass, a big heat signature. That that and, I, and I'm I'm over six. I'm not pushing six two or whatever. But anyway, th- this thing was probably from what I could guess in the five and a half to six foot range, and it's just there. It's just in between two trees. And what I, you know, as I, as I, as I processed it later, I think what I was looking at was part of a torso and a shoulder. I think its head was hidden behind a tree, and I was looking at part of the body coming out from behind the larger tree and kind of blending into the smaller tree. So I'm looking at this thing, and I get up, and I stand up, and I walk a little bit, and I look again, and now it's gone. So now the same two trees have a cold spot where that V was. And I'm staring at it, and I'm kind of trying to figure out, well, wait, wait, hang on. Wait, what, what did I see here? And I'm looking, and I'm scanning, and I'm looking without the thermal. I'm just looking at my, you know, the naked eye. And I'm like, what, what, what just happened here, you know? And I tell the other guys, and they're still looking. They're kind of like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And then I tell Travis Garrett, who's one of Bob's sons, I tell him what I just saw. I tell him in detail, just like I just did now. He goes, yeah, you probably just saw one. I said, well, the only way I could have seen it, though, is if I saw it and then it just kind of, you know, like dropped down onto its belly and kind of backed away from the tree, you know, it backed down into that stream. And that stream was kind of in a defilade position, right? So it was, it was below us, you know, like a few feet. And he just said very calmly, he goes, yeah, they'll do that. He goes, that, that would make sense. And then later when we were back at the camp, I was showing him what I had seen. You know, like we actually, there were some trees there in the camp that kind of simulated the ones I had seen. And I stood there as though I was the Sasquatch and described it to, to him. And he's like, yeah, you, you probably saw one. You know, so I can't, I can't, for the audience, I can't definitively 100% say uh, I did see one. But I can tell you this, it wasn't a rabbit. And it wasn't one of us, because here's the thing. Everybody who goes out there is very serious. They're fun people. Don't get me wrong. They're very fun people. Um, but everybody's armed just about nobody. Nobody is going to go and play some kind of a joke and stick themselves out in a vulnerable position like that. Right. So I told Mo later, I said, I think I had a probable. I'm calling a probable sighting. I mean, minutes after this happened. By minutes, I mean 20, 30 minutes. Mo... Um, one of the older gentlemen, the co-brothers, and, and somebody else, I forget who, they walked into the woods, and this is just, um, and again, I had my, 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 my compass directions a little bit off just because of where we were, but just, I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, 
50, 80 feet away, they kind of walked into those woods at night and they got growled at. You know, they had something go, ah, and kind of, you know, chattered the teeth at them. They, they backed the hell out. So, you know, when you kind of add all these things that we saw tracks, we saw broken uh, saplings kind of making a trail. I had a heat, a very large heat signature standing there between two trees. And then in the same vicinity, very, very narrow vicinity, Mo and some others had a, had a, uh, a growl, something growled at them. That's kind of how we topped the night off. And then, you know, to, to, to kind of add to everything else, too, there was a broken down truck in the parking lot. Well, the owners of the truck showed up. This is probably three in the morning. They showed up. There's a, there was a hole in the radiator. And, um, and so the guys, and here we are, we're a bunch of, I mean, a bunch of people standing out there. We've got camp chairs. People have night vision. They've got thermals. <laughs> they've got pistols on their hips. And so these guys see us, and they're kind of like, what, what are you guys doing? You know, and one of the guys goes, ah, oh, we wouldn't believe you if you told us. He goes, what, are you looking for Bigfoot? Very matter of fact. Uh, oh, my goodness. And so he said, matter of fact, so then he goes, yeah, he goes, um, there's an area near here we call, this, and these are local boys, right? There's an area here called Bigfoot Alley, and my dad and I, we've had two sightings down there. And so Mo, you know, wrote down the locations of where it was, you know. And this was interesting because normally, apparently, the locals won't talk to to the uh, Big Thicket Watch people very much. They're very guarded and kind of standoffish about the whole subject. But these guys were like, yeah, Bigfoot, yeah, he's right around here. Yeah. He's, and he even said, "Oh, I seen him. I yeah, seen yeah. some bitch. Yeah. We call it. We call it Bigfoot Lane, not Alley. He called it Bigfoot Big Lane. Lane. Yeah, Bigfoot Lane. That's what." And I, I says, "Listen, man, I gotta talk to you." He goes, "Well, let me get my vehicle loaded up and everything, and I'll come talk to you." And he was very gracious. He was a local boy, and he said, "These things are real. I've seen them many times." And he says, "I can. I. I. I you saw me. I pulled my map out of the place. I oh said, yeah, show yeah. me." where you've had sightings, and he showed me. So now we have somebody who is a local, and they're talking to us, and that was great. If anything, we got somebody to speak to us about it, and that was awesome. So, um, And, I, you know, again, I want to thank you, Chad. Um, you were just an awesome participant. Is there anything you want to tell the audience? What's the, what's the best thing you came away with uh, going to this expedition, what's the best thing you could tell everybody that you came away with? Mm. Well, I, I will tell you this. I, I was I live in Colorado, right? So I flew into Denver um, Sunday afternoon. I, you know, I left the camp. I drove to the, to the truck stop and I took a shower there, which that was the first time I had done that. And then actually, I ended up having lunch with a buddy in, in Humble, Texas, on my way to the airport. But it's when I got to the airport, I checked in my gear, you know, and and I'm like, I'm gonna go have a beer. So I go to the bar. And I'm sitting there having a beer, and, and there's a basketball game on or whatever, and I find I'm just staring in the mirror, processing everything, you know? And I'm just, like, like kind of going, like, what the hell? Like, you know, I can't believe I experienced all of this stuff. And this radio, you know, this radio show that Mo and I are doing tonight, I think it's good, and it's probably going to be helpful, but I, I'm not doing it justice, you know? I mean, you have to go and experience this stuff. And when I talked to Mo the first time, you know, and, and I, I knew this going in, there's no, there are no guarantees, you know, so for any future participant, you could go out there and you guys could hear crickets and owls and that's it. But you probably will have some activity. Um, so what the, the thing I came away from or, or took away from all this was knowledge it was knowledge, and, and the knowledge came from 
different sources. It came from seeing tracks. It came from hearing howls. It came from a probable sighting. And it came from being able to talk to people who've had multiple sightings, many of them up close and personal and not not pleasant, not cool at all. And, and so what I came away with is a, is a deeper understanding of these beings, a healthier respect for these things, and, a, and just a greater sense of awareness. I love the woods. I like to go camping. I like to go hiking. I do a little bit. I'm not a big hunter, but I do a little bit of hunting, a little bit of fishing. Um, but there's a different level of awareness now. And, and, and here's something else, too. I think when you, when you go and you experience these things, then you start to put, and like I said, I don't ever want to have Squatch fever, but you start to put the, the Sasquatch, the Sasquatch a, as a, a source uh, and I'm not I'm not describing this well, but you start to to look at Sasquatch within your own frame of reference, right? So, um, if you're ever out camping, and something starts throwing rocks at your tent, it's probably not a raccoon, you know. I mean, and you can instead of dismissing it and saying, "Oh, that was just you know acorns or whatever," well, maybe it was acorns, maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it was something else, and maybe that something else was either playing with you, kidding, you know, maybe it was just having a joke with you, or maybe it's telling you get the hell out of here. And so anyway, I think that my the thing I came away with the, the most was a, a level of knowledge I could not have gotten from books, and I could not have gotten from podcasts. You just described what our mission statement is. Uh, Bob Garrett's mission mission statement is, we want you to come out and experience what we experience. Um Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think I was telling you this as I I was getting ready to leave. I mean, this experience was fun. It was there was great camaraderie. It was very it was incredibly informative. It was scary. There were some scary moments. Absolutely. Um, And when you see grown men who've had Sasquatch encounters in their life and their eyes just look like saucers and, and, you know, and they're armed and you and, you know, they're not full of it. Like this is legit. It's serious. It's not unnecessarily dangerous, but there's an element of danger there that's very exciting. And you're you're in you're in the thicket. You're in with these these creatures, and you're in their world. And not many people in in life are going to get to experience this in a safe environment. You know, many of us I think have probably experienced some, including myself, maybe have had an experience and just didn't realize it or didn't acknowledge it. Um, but you know, if you listen to to Wes's show, you know his his first encounter was not a pleasant one. Mo's had some that were not pleasant. So has Bob. I mean, they and so have his sons. There have been some that have been absolutely horrific. Um, but you know, you go out there with a bunch of of intelligent people, and you will come away with a a, a life changing experience, but life changing for the better. I want to thank you very very much, Bob. Thanks you, Tim Whalen. All the guides, thank you for coming on tonight, Chad, and just expressing or just conveying your feelings, um, your your thoughts, and what you came away with. We want to thank you very much, and your family now, and we'd love to have you come back on future expeditions, my friend. Well, that sounds great, man, and I will be back. Um, like I said, I'll probably go in a, a September, um, maybe, maybe uh, expedition with you guys once we get kind of through the heat of the summer, but... It was fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody. If you're on the fence, get off the fence and go. You, you'll be really glad you did if you're interested in this subject. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, Chad. You take care and you have yourself a happy Easter, my friend. Okay, buddy. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye-bye.
I'd like to introduce to you now a gentleman by the name of George. George came out on our recent expedition. George has uh, military experience. He came on out because he wanted to see what was going on out here with the uh, Texas Big Thicket Watch. And he came out with his brother. Very briefly, George, have you describe, and I'm going to set up, uh, set the scenario or, or set the picture for everybody here about what happened on the night at the birding area parking lot. So this is what happened. As we're sitting there, someone decided to say, hey, you know what? Turn on some music, see what happens. So they turn on, I think it was ACDC Thunderstruck. And mm-hmm. they remember they shut it off, and we got that little holler sort of scream um, from the, uh, if you're sitting facing away from the parking lot, it would be on the left. You remember hearing right. that? What I did was I decided to, and I do this too often, and, and Bob, you know, Bob chews me out about it. Like, Mo, don't be walking in there with the gray, where the gray walker is by yourself. So, um, <laughs> stupidly, I decided to walk down in there to the creek there. As I'm walking in there, I hear a large snap, probably about maybe 100, 150 feet in front of me. And I'm figuring, oh, this isn't good. Um, so, as I'm in there, Somebody turns on their music again, and that's not a good situation for somebody to be down in there like that with the music on because you can't hear your surroundings. You can't hear what's going on around you. So I decided to just backtrack it out to the parking lot. Now, I noticed as I came back, you were there and Brandon was there. So I decided to, and I didn't say anything to you guys, I decided to walk down the parking lot, go to the portion of the road that turns to the left, and walk in where the the gray walker crosses. You guys had followed me, and I'm, I figured, okay, cool, I got some company. So um, I want you to take it from there as we're as we're walking. Can you describe to us, uh, George, what exactly uh, you uh, you basically felt and and um, you know what you saw? Okay, it was getting on. Uh, apparently, my when we got back, my brother was showing me that it was about two thirty in the morning then. So this would have been about close to around 2 o'clock. Um, nice and cold, clear, um, full moon, pretty good illumination. We were going down this um, road. And to our left, we were looking for any place that looked like this thing may be coming out to cross the road. And we, Mo had a flashlight a really bright flashlight. <laughs> the others, we had nothing. We had our pants in our pockets because we were cold. And we, to our left, we saw a beaten area. And it kind of went down and then back into the um, wood. Um, so Mo, being Mo, said, this is it, this is it, this is where he comes out. Kind of charged, well, not charged, he takes that flashlight and starts going down in that brand, and I looked at each other and thought that somebody ought to go with him. We had got maybe maybe five feet in, and we heard something close, not very far, at the most, maybe 10 feet away. And just two small sounds are low, guttural, just a... And I've got a cold, um, so this is probably not going to sound as good as it dead three days ago when I was telling you about it. Sounded like a wah, wah. So we all just startled at the same time and just kind of backed right out of there. 
started going back up the road to the uh, parking lot. But that was pretty much um, kind of intense. <laughs> and I'm glad you guys were there because I get I get these weird feelings down in that area. I, I just want the audience to know that you know this was not a hog. It wasn't a wild, it wasn't a boar. It wasn't a deer snorting. It was something no. that was very was, low. Yeah, go describe it. Go ahead, describe it again. Well, it was. It, I have heard. Um, um, I've heard deer. I've heard the uh, feral hogs. I've heard moose and caribou. Other things like that. Everything else, trumpets or bleats or the hog snorts or even squeals. This thing did none of that. It was low. It was deep in the chest kind of thing from where it started. And it was just these two really guttural, no question what it was telling us, um, kind of, if you could almost call it barks, but not high-pitched, just really low. And like I say, very close, very close. So we got out of there. I know I say this, and I so uh, you know I sound redundant when I say this, but Bob always tells me, Mo, just you know, you, you got to stop doing this, going in there by yourself. And and I got to tell everybody that it, it's something that, I mean, I mean, I know I should be thinking properly, but I just get caught up in the moment. And oh yeah, I uh, I know that feeling completely. It takes a long time to um, form the habit of not going in there. Um, I heard what you say was like a scream, or not even a scream, but a sound close. And then that snap after you had gone down. And when I saw your flashlight going down there, I thought, well, someone needs to keep an eye on him. And when you started paralleling, I started paralleling. We both pretty much came out on that road right about that time. Brandon had seen the light and seen me, so he figured that someone with some sense probably ought to be there. So he came behind me, turned around, and he said, Brandon, then continued walking toward you. You turned around, and I said, George, George. So we all three got together, walked up a little bit further, and that's where we saw that little access area there. Right. And, I mean, I did, I did uh, you know, basically explain to you or describe to you what happened to me and Brandon when mm-hmm. you know he and I were doing owl sounds and little grunts and stuff like that, he walked up to me, and um, it wasn't very far away that we got like a, a right, and, yeah, and that's when Brandon. I mean, and Brandon's a fearless guy. I mean, Brandon goes out into the woods with just a machete, and when yeah. he looks at me and says, "Mo, let's walk out of here now." Um, that, that is, you got to take that as a, a warning from Brandon that you, you can, you can be snuffed out at any time with these things because these things are very mm-hmm. fast. They're very agile and you just don't know what they're going to do. So with that said, it, when we heard that, we all, we all looked at each other. Yeah. Brandon, all looked at each other at the same time and all just backed out. I remember Brandon said, uh, something about, well, told us to get out or something like that, so I'm getting or something like that. Um, it was kind of interesting. That area of the woods all night long had just felt kind of hinky. 
the other surrounds, you know, right across the road or to the um, um, actually in there on the trail or anything else like that didn't feel anything. But that one side that you finally went down into all night long, that had just felt just kind of hinky, just, I don't know. I felt like we were being scoped all the time we were there. Yep. And again, I was there about, what, uh, three nights beforehand. Waylon had taken off. Yeah, Waylon had taken off. I um, decided to take off right at dark, and I had to take a whiz by my vehicle. I hit my remote starter on my vehicle, and my MP3 player was on, and it came up. The music came up, and the stupid song Werewolves of London comes up. And here I am taking a whiz. Yeah, and here I am taking a whiz. I get this, and a log hits the ground, and I mean it's a thick log. Not like a rotten tree break that just falls. It was thrown mm-hmm. and it rolled into the creek. That's when I re- remember when we were down there the first time. I said, you know what? I want to go inspect the uh, the creekway here, the little sand pockets there. And right. ex- explain to the audience what we found, George. Some really excellent prints. I mean, these things could not have been any better if we would have watched this guy walk across it himself and detailed very detailed and more than one size yes there were there were uh i measured um eleven and a half to twelve and then there was mm-hmm. a smaller one that was six and a half and yeah. then we then we found the one the very very deep ones were like thirteen to fourteen inches so mm-hmm. um they were back in there, and um, those, it was just an amazing trackway. I do want to apologize to everybody on the expedition. This was my fault, and I, I, I am accountable for this. Um, I had the casting material in my hand at base camp. I went ahead and laid it on the table. I didn't bring it with me. It's my fault because we didn't have, that we didn't have any uh, cast of those tracks. So I take full blame for this, but uh, I, I learned something that I'm always going to have casting material in my vehicle with water and a plastic bag to mix it with. So um, with with that said, it was like, everybody's like, who's got casting material? Where's the casting material? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I had it in my hand at base camp, man. Sorry. (laughs) Well, the, uh, the thing was where we found those the night before. And then we went back the next day when it was light. When we found those the night before, um, they were already kind of filling with water that were seeping in them. Yeah. And we didn't expect pretty much anything to be there when we went back. We were kind of hoping that just we could get some good photographs of them. And then we found the track. <laughs> and that was something. That was really something. I think it was a great expedition because we did have vocals, sounds, mutterings, um, you know, um, especially at the bridge. We had the, uh, you know, the monkey chatter stuff. And we also had these these this trackway that we found. And I think it was a very, mm-hmm. very good expedition. And I'm glad that you came. I'm glad that I could, uh, you know, show for you, your brother and chat around in my vehicle. I got to know you guys. And it's and like I say this to everybody, it's like, you know, you walk away getting uh, one more family member. Um, in your family. The really neat thing about this is, well, just like um, after we got back, I was telling my wife kind of uh, what we had seen and what we had heard and just about the whole thing. And she asked me, so 
um, do you really believe? And when I first went out there, I did not disbelieve. But there's been too much and too little, to tell you the truth, to definitively say something. Until you get around people who have made a navigation of getting facts. And so after talking to you guys with no hype, no anything else like that, and with those looks in your eyes that you were telling the absolute truth as you knew it, you know, there are a whole lot of people out there um, in any, if you want to call it avocation, any deep interest or anything else like that, there are a lot of people who will buy into anything. And there, there are those people who will be skeptic of everything until. But so she said, well, do you believe now? And I told her, I didn't see one, but something was awfully close to me. And there are a lot of sounds out there. And basically it goes back to the thing, walk like a duck, quack like a duck. Yeah. Again, I was glad you guys came out. I'm glad you, uh, you walked with me and Brandon. I'm glad you had my back. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on, George. You and your brother were just a, a delight to be around, and we would love to have you guys come back. We hope you do. You guys were outstanding. I mean, the whole crew were outstanding. And on the way home, we were already talking about <laughs> when we could both, you know, do this again. So one day we'll be back. Well, you just uh, keep the faith and keep it up. Well, we'd love to have you back, and I feel like, again, that, that I gained a, a new family member. So I want to thank you for coming on, George, and telling us about the experience. Thank you very, very much. No problem. Thank you, Mo. You have a good one. You do the same. Happy Easter now. Bye-bye. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Well, I just want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. I know it's been a long process of getting back on the air. We are glad to be back. Um, we want to sustain this. We want to keep going on. And we just want to thank everybody um, who's associated with Sasquatch Chronicles, along with Wes Germer, his brother Woody. And I just do, do want to say this one last thing. If you do want to come on an expedition to the uh, big thicket in East Texas, uh, again, our mission statement is this. We want you to experience what we experience and these past two expeditions, people have done that. They've actually experienced what we have. And we want people to gain knowledge. We want to teach people. We have one of the best teachers in the field of Sasquatch there is in Bob Garrett. Bob Garrett is one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever met on this subject. And you get to meet him when you come out. You get to go out in the field with us. You get to, you know, worst case scenario, you get to make a lot of friends and become part of the family. If you want to go on an expedition, you can do um, one of two things. You could either do email, which you can email timsermons at yahoo.com, or you can email me at bigsasstracker at gmail.com, or you can call me at 443-794-7698. So give us a call or or go ahead and email us, and you can visit us on Facebook at the Big Thicket Watch Guide Service. Our website will be up very, very shortly, and we are excited about that. And I want to thank, again, Wes for, uh, for backing us on this. We are back. 
the next episode, you'll probably have Tim Sermons on. Uh, Bob Garrett will be back on and we'll have very, very good guests. So uh, please come back and join us. And we want to thank you all because without you all, this is not possible. So thank you all very much and God bless and happy Easter. Something to eat something a quiet time